Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Open up your Bibles with me today. We're going to talk about generosity. And for those of you who attend our campuses or watch online, this is not something we do often. We don't have uh, offering segments in our weekly services, but about once a year, I feel led to teach on it uh, to get us grounded in Scripture. And that's what we aim to do in this series. So let's look at John chapter 12 today. We actually looked at this on our series on grace, this exact story, but there's a moment where someone is going to give an extraordinary gift to Jesus. Um, It truly is an extraordinary gift. Uh, It's beautiful in the eyes of some and honestly disturbing in the eyes of others. And so let's look at that and let's see where we are at our own generosity journey. John chapter 12 and verse number one, Jesus therefore Six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Like what a cool story that was. Lazarus was dead for three days. Jesus uh, raised him up. He's now sitting at a table. Uh, Everybody's mind is blown. Literally, the Bible tells us that people are coming in from other cities to see Lazarus. Like they knew he died and now he's like sitting at a table. Let's go see this. And he's there and in verse 2. And so they had made a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary, who was Lazarus' sister, and you can imagine she's got, like you you can imagine her heart right in this moment. She sees Jesus, and then she sees her brother who was dead right next to Jesus, and just so amazed at what Jesus had done in her life, so blessed by what Jesus had done. May we never lose sight of what Jesus has done in our lives. May we just always be in awe of him. And she is, and she does something. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things here. Is one, Jesus does, does not ask for this. This was something, this is what it's called in scripture, a free will offering. This is just what she wants to do. And she, she does something. She takes a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, let's just stop here and we'll keep reading. But do you see how personal she's trying to make this? Like she is is showing Jesus what Jesus means to her. Expressing his worth in her life to him. So she's not just like squirting and putting the perfume on the hot spots. Uh, she is um, drawing near and pouring it all out and, and making it as intimate as possible by using her hair to, to dry, it, dry it. And it's, it's wonderful, it's beautiful to her and to Jesus. But there were others in the room that this disturbed them. And I want you to notice their heart. Because this is the heart of what we're going to see in the world. As the church gets brighter, um, the world is going to get darker And they're going to criticize these things just like they did here. And they're going to see generosity. And they're going to see churches ask for generosity and train people in generosity. And their heart is going to mirror Judas's. 
And I want you to watch how this plays out. And this is an important distinction in our churches, an important distinction in our lives. Watch how this plays out. Um, She takes uh, her hair and wipes his feet with it. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? Now, my Bible has a little A by 300 denarii, and when you look down at the bottom of it, it says 11 months uh, worth of wages. I've heard this my whole life and have researched it from theologians. They say that this was about a year's worth of wages. So I I don't know what you make in a year, but just, you know, a median income, we'll just throw out there like $45,000. This is a $45,000 gift that is just poured out on Jesus. It's not going around the world. It's it's just on Jesus for no other reason other than she wants to do this for Jesus. And Judas is disturbed by this. And his disturbance is masked with a lie. And he says, we could have taken this money and taken it around the world. We could have taken this money and we could have given it to the poor. Like, this is a lot of money. This is a significant gift. This is not like the knockoff at Chanel number no. 5 at the gas station. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the real stuff. And it's wasted. And, and watch what happens here. Now this he said, and he, well, verse 5, he, he could have sold this perfume for 300 denarii and given it to poor people. Now this he said, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had uh, his hand in the money box, and he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, Judas was not the only one. Mark tells this story, and watch what Mark says in in his gospel. They'll put it up on the screens, Mark 14 and 4. But some, not just Judas, this was um, a kind of mentality that was held by some other people in the room, were indignantly remarking one to another, why has this perfume been wasted? And so here you see a woman um, be incredibly generous to Jesus. He doesn't ask for it. And this is interesting too. He didn't mind that she had it. Now, there's this whole other war going on in religion now of like people having nice things. And it's very fascinating to me of like Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son and he puts the best robe on him. He kills the fatted calf. Like no qualm whatsoever in the heart of Jesus to give his children the best. He comes to the other prodigal in the field and he's like, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Um, And here, Mary is someone that he has known and walked with for three years. He eats at their house a lot. She's got a bottle of perfume that is worth $45,000 and he didn't care that she had it. Well, why didn't he ask for it in the same way that he asked for the rich young ruler's money? Because the rich young ruler didn't just have money, money had him. But for Mary, he didn't care that Mary had a bottle of perfume worth $45,000 because it didn't have her. He didn't even have to ask for it. Her heart was generous. We must breathe in and we must breathe out. Uh, You have to let God love you. 
And this is a side note. I was going to say this to the end, but it seems good to, to do this now. You have to let God love you. My, my son walked in my office. Uh, I say my office. <laughs> my bedroom, uh, which I had made my office uh, yesterday. Uh, so, and I'm, I'm laying on the bed, uh, you know, just writing uh, my, my message for today. And he comes in and he's like, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm writing my message. He's like, what are you preaching on? And he's like, and I, I told him, generosity, like being good to people and, and give, giving to God, tithing and all those types of things. And so he, he sits down in the chair and we just begin to talk. And he said, yeah, he said, I tell my friends all the time, like we give money away. And they're like, you give money away? Like, yes, we give money away. And he's like, but then it comes back. And they're like, it comes back? And he's like, yeah, it comes back. And he's like, well, what do you, and then we give it away again. <laughs> it's like this perpetual thing. And so I told him, I said, I went to go preach in Illinois this week. And I've had the joy, honestly, of going in, in different places and, and preaching. You know, as I get older, I, I think more people, um, you know, want to bring in people who know some of these things and also have a heart for people. And my, my father and my uncle were both pastors, and they passed away. Uh, my father was 44, my uncle was 56. Both of them were pastors. And, and so I have always wanted to help the next generation of pastors because I've seen God help me, and I think there's things that I've learned from it. And I sense a new anointing to kind of do that too, very apostolistic and, and that kind of thing. And so it's just it's neat for me, and it's a blessing to me to be able to do those things. And, and while I was there, like I'm talking to, to pastors, some of them are, you know, twice my age and that type of thing, but I just had the honor of speaking into their life. And, and truly, I wept. Like, it, I, I have so many of these opportunities now that when I feel called to accept it, it just means a lot to be able to be there and to just serve. And, and so I'm there, and one of them comes up, and they give me 100 bucks. It's a hundred bucks in cash. And it's, it's pretty funny to me when this happens because people used to do that to my father a lot. Once again, my father was a pastor and like, we would call it like a Pentecostal handshake where, you know, somebody comes up and gives like a hundred dollars to like the preacher or something like that. Well, my back then suits were all the rage. Uh, like you just wore a suit. That's what you did when you came to church, especially with a preacher suit, tie, all those things. And so like people would do this and he would have this and he would put the money in his, his, his suit pocket. Well, you know, the days are long sometimes as a pastor that you'd forget it's in there. So when I was about my son's age, who was talking to me, I would sneak into my father's office while he was taking a Sunday nap because we had Sunday night church. And I would go through the suit that he just wore because I like, I'm, I'm thinking of like, he's forgotten it's in there. And I, at least on 10 different occasions, I found money in his, his, his suit that he never knew I took from him. Uh, and I still feel guilty about it to this day. Uh, and, and maybe he did and he just thought it was cute or funny or things like that, but it really was conniving and like not the spirit of God at all. So, so now like anytime that happens to me, I tell God, like, I'll put it in my wallet, but I want you to show me who to give it to. And, and I want to have a moment where I can, can give it to people because you're either a giver or a taker. You're either Lot or you're Abraham. You either see the best and all you think about is obtaining it in your life, or like Abraham, you can give it away without a second thought. And in that season of my life, I was a taker. Like, I, I saw money, I wanted money. Why? Because there was all this stuff in life I wanted. Like, I wanted, you know, nice shoes, and I wanted all these things. And it's like, in my mind, it's like, I got to provide that for myself. And so, like, I'll, I'll take it, and I'll, I'll get it, and I'll have it. And I'll have it, and I'll spend it, and it'll feel good. 
except it doesn't. And the world shows us that through all these people who have all this money, and then you watch them, and it's like, how miserable are they? Because it, it, it's, life is not found in, in taking. Look what happened a lot. He gets the best, and he winds up so broken. Um, and so out of this, though, like I, I had this $100, and I was telling him this story of like this guy gives me this $100. It really meant a lot to me because it just brought that story back to remembrance. And I'm in the Atlanta airport. I'm in the Delta Lounge. Uh, I fly Delta, and so I'm just always there. And so I'm thankful for lounge access when that happens. It's not like this perk. And it's really not because it's so crowded now in a Delta Lounge. It's like, how are there this many people who fly Delta? But anyway, I'm in there, and it's late at night. I didn't get home till Friday night around 1130, and I'm in the Delta Lounge, and it's about to close. And I've noticed the whole time that there's this lady there. And she was... Um, uh, older than the rest of the people who were working in the lounge. And I could also tell some of the people who were younger had no honor for her. Which is always disturbing. Let me just say to everyone in the household of God who like attends our church, we honor generations before us. Amen. We, we are to honor the elder. Um, and so out of that, there was just not a lot of honor for her. Like in several different instances, I watched other people push her kind of out of the way, judge her harshly, like for her mistakes and that type of thing. And anyway, I just had her, a heart for her. And so I'm watching all this kind of play out and, um, I'm thinking about my hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm going to give her my hundred bucks. And so I take it out of the, the wallet. I'm like, okay, father, is this what you want me to do with this? Or is it somebody else's? Like, is this what? this is for, or is it somebody else's? And I really got the impression, like just in my heart, and the, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. That word witness just means a knowing. Like if you get a witness to, to testify at a court case on the stand, they don't testify about a maybe. If they're a witness, they, saw, they know something. And when you walk with God, you get a witness, you get an unction. And so, like, I just had, like, a knowing of, like, no, it's yours. You can do whatever you want to with it. And so it's like, I know, like, okay, I could give it to her. I could spend it on me. I could have a nice dinner with it. I could give it to my son. Like, I felt like it was mine. And from the spirit, I felt like it was mine. And I told the Lord, so I put it back in my wallet, and I'm looking at her. And then I said, well, if it's mine, I'd like to give it to her. And so she walked by, and she was taking... Uh, the little cup that was by me. And I said, hey. And she said, hey. And um, I couldn't tell where she was from, uh, but she's from, you know, a nation that's not America and that type of thing. So, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her and our communication is a little broken in terms of understanding, but enough to get the, the job done. And so out of that, I said, um, I, just, can I, I asked her, I said, can I give you something? Uh, because sometimes, like in these places, like employees have, like you can't take whatever from the customer and that kind of thing. I said, can I give you something? And she said, yes. And so I said, great. And so I pulled out my wallet and I gave her the money and she looks at it and she just starts crying. And she said, it's my first day. And she said, it's been really hard. And I said, I get it. I said, you know, I've had days that are really hard too. But I said, Jesus loves you. And he's forever for you. 
And I know like having to come into a job like this, and I didn't say at your age, but that's what I was thinking. Uh, like you're not doing this job because you love it. Right? Does that make sense? Like this is not something of like, I love this. This was, I need this. And out of this, it was just a really, really sweet moment. And it just reminded me of the work of God in my own heart, of, of going from that child who would like, while his dad was sleeping, go through the pockets to find money that other people had given him um, to this moment. And so I was telling my son this story, and I, I told him, I said, son, here's something I want you to remember. I said, just stop right now and pay attention to what's going on in your body. And so he did. I said, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, pay attention. Breathe in. Breathe out. I said, son, if all you do is breathe in, you'll get very sick and toxic. And it'll ultimately cost you your life if all you do is breathe in. And so I said, son, God wants to be good to us. God is your father, and I want to be good to you. And you've seen me be good to you. Your whole life you've seen me be good to you. You you have not lacked. Um, You you see provision. You see Christmas. You see happies. He gives for no other reason than to make you happy. Like, you see that, you breathe in. And I said, I want you to be trained in the art of breathing in. It's okay. And it's amazing to me how so many people would look and and perceive, and I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about Christian people, that Christian people would look at people, talk about God being good, and being like, I can't believe they would say that, or I can't believe they would have that. And it's like, you have a father. You have a father. Breathe in his love, like receive his goodness. God wants, literally, Jesus said in John chapter 16, you have asked nothing in my name up till this point. Ask, you know, why? That your joy may be full. He's like, if all it would do is give you joy, I'm in. (laughs) What a savior. And, and somebody says, well, really? It's like, well, yeah, think about you. Are you a better father or mother than God is? Like there are so many things in your own children's lives of like even when you go out to a meal, you, you often ask them, what do you want for dinner? And so we have to be trained in the art of breathing in. And I've met so many religious people who have a problem with that, <laughs> like breathing in and letting God be good. Letting God be father, letting God be, be magnificent. And they have this orphan spirit of like walking in God with no father. Let God be good to you. Let, let Jesus be okay with you having the perfume in your house. Like, let him be good to you. So I, I told my son, like, we have this, this, this art of breathing in. But I said, if all you do is breathe in, if all you do is take it in, you'll become sick and toxic. And this is the problem that's happened, right, with the prosperity gospel and, and you know, th- this type of teaching that, you know, has, has hurt some people and is made fun of by so many people in the world as they'll hear messages like this. And then you have a whole group of people that are giving, literally giving to a church for no other reason but to take more in, 
of the certain, Jesus even taught a parable about this. He said, the certain ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he looks at his plentiful ground and he's like, what do I do with all of this increase? Ah, And he says, I know what I'll do. He's like, I'll tear down what I have and build greater. I'll get a better car and a better house and have upward mobility. And our, our culture in America is built on upward mobility. It's like, I'm here, I want to be here. And then when I get here, I want to be here. And then when I get here, I want to be here. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And this is the spirit of the world, the spirit of mammon, the lust of money and the lust of things. And that is crept into this teaching because it's it's impossible to read scripture and not see that God has linked a blessing to giving. You cannot do it. I don't care if it's Luke 6.38 or like any of these 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Our Philippians chapter 4, all of these verses of Scripture show us the blessings God has tithed, uh, to, tied to tithing, to giving, to putting God first. Like, there's no way, if, ands, or but, because God is trying to teach us to breathe in, be okay with receiving, and breathe out. Be okay with releasing, breathe in, be okay with receiving, breathe out, be okay with giving. Breathe in, breathe out. But so many people, they've only taught on like, give so you can get, give so you can get, give so you can get, and and that type of thing. And it's hurt so many because it has not eradicated selfishness. It is ingrained self. It's not about a love for Jesus or others. It's a love for self. It is the spirit of Lot, but it works through that heart of, of like, but now I am giving. Yes, but you're giving only to get. And it's just breathing in as as fast as possible. It's it's enjoying the goodness of God. I have a provider. I have a source. It is not my job. It is not my income. It is not. I have a source uh, that is the Lord Jesus. He takes care of me. He sustains me. I enjoy his provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He will, he'll, he'll make me lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside still waters. Breathe in. Breathe in. Enjoy him. Breathe out. I have this perfume in my life. It's a fairly, uh, family heirloom. It's, it's worth $45,000 or whatever a year's wages is. A median income in America today varies from state to state, but... It means nothing. He's okay with you having it in your house. But it means nothing compared to him, so I willingly pour it out. Not out of compulsion. Not out of manipulation. But as an act of cheerful giving. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians 9. I quoted that. Let's look at it. None of this is my notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's okay. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 1. I'm writing to you about the ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 2 now. For I know your readiness, he's talking about their readiness to give, of which I boast about to you Macedonians, namely, uh, that this person, I'm not going to try, has been prepared since last year uh, to take up the offering he's talking about, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. 
But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be empty in this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, he's talking about giving, I want you prepared to give, but some may find you unprepared. We, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren. This is such amazing what we're about to read. I promise you, if this can get in your heart, it'll change your life. I I promise you. This can be your reality, what we're about to read, if you understand this and you operate with this system. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead of you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that that gift uh, may be ready as bountiful and not affected by your covetousness. Now, what is covetousness? Real quick. It's you breathing in and never breathing out. Covetousness is, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. It is God help me make more money. Why? I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. I want a bigger life. I want the next Jordans. I want the new phone. I want the next bag. I I want um, the financial freedom. I want, I want, I want, I want. And the lust of the world and the lust of other things enter in our heart and chokes the word. And the world, that's all they do is covet. It's like we are literally inundated with advertisement of like, want this and want this and want this. I saw that the average person who looks at media, the average rate of what the average person looks at media with, over 339 times a day is moved into the desire for food, which is why we have problems. Uh, Because everywhere we look, uh, there's something that's making us want their food product. Why? We have a culture that wants you to buy their products, see their things, that wants you to want what they have. And what he's saying here is, like, we have told you before an offering is coming for you to give. But he said, I'm telling you now again because I know if I don't, covetousness is like this thing that will come up in your heart. That will tell you, you can't breathe out. You still need to take in. You don't have enough. How can you give to somebody else? Think of all the things you could do with that money. Think of all. That's, that is exactly right what Judas was saying. He's like, how could you give that to Jesus? Do you know all the other things I could do with that money? And he guised it with a lie of like, do you know all the things we could do for the poor with that money? But it wasn't about the poor. It was about all the things he could do. Do you know what all I could do? Pastor Joel, honestly, 10% of everything we bring in as a family. Are you serious? Do you know all the things we could do with that money? And the world would hear something like that of like, you give what to your church? What? You gave what to a missionary? You're supporting a child in India for $80 a month? Like, what about your own child? And all those types of things. What are they saying? Do you know all the other things you could do with that money? Because we live in a world that is solely. And so he tells them, like, don't let covetousness come in your life. Don't have an orphan spirit. You have a God who is so richly provide oxygen that you can breathe out and take in the next breath. And you can breathe that one out and take in. This is no limit of oxygen. And there's no limit of provision in the kingdom of God. There's no limit of God's goodness, no limit of his grace in his kingdom. 
And so he's asking them, don't, don't allow like this desire for your next breath keep you from releasing your last one. And, and so he writes this to him and he says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully, this is the word of the Lord. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must do as he has purposed in his own heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. He's like, don't do this because some preacher's manipulating you. Don't do this because they're going to mail you holy water that, you know, they poured from a sink. Don't do any of that. Don't let them manipulate you. He says, don't let them do that. He says, each one of you must decide in his own heart, in your own heart, in her own heart. Each one of you must decide as you have purposed in your own heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now watch this. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So that you always, having all sufficiency in everything, may be able to have an abundance for every good work. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Think about this. This is the word of God to me, to you, so that you always, having all sufficiency in everything. You know what that is? No financial stress. It is financial peace. He says you have a God. And, And a lot of that is because you want less. But a lot of that is because you're blessed more. That you have a God who is able to make all grace abound towards you. Why? Like when you look this up and you look at the Greek, and if we pulled up the Amplified, they could show it to you. It means requiring no aid or financial support. That you're in this position of life where you just, you have been trained in the art of breathing in. You know you have a good God. You know you have a father who loves you. You know you have a father who genuinely just wants you to come home. And when you come to him, he's like, I'll give you the best robe. I'll give you the fatted calf. All that I have is yours. Like you have a father who's like, I I, want to be your good shepherd. You don't have to be a sheep out there wondering, like, I want to feed you with green grass. I want to get you by still waters. I want to be a father to you. I want you to see that you're not the only provider in your wife's life. I want you to see that you're not the only provider in your child's life. You're not the only one thinking about their college. You're not the only one thinking about their Christmas. You're not the only one thinking about their clothes. You're not the only one who knows their desires. They have a Father in heaven who loves them. And you have a Father in heaven who loves you. He knows your bills. He knows every hair on your head. And he's concerned about the widow at Zarephath. And he wants the prophet fed too. And as she gives out, she's like, wait a minute, God is making all grace abound towards me. God wants you to have financial peace. God wants you to be at a place where you have $100 and you don't need it. That God is making all grace abound towards you. And yes, you want less. But also you're blessed more. 
And then watch what he says. Why does he want you to have this? That you may have an abundance for every good deed. What's that saying? That you are walking in abundance. Why? Not just so you can breathe in, but where you can breathe out. Where it's like, yeah, I can get it. 80 bucks, done. We got that missionary, we got the, 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 the kids in the orphanage taken care of. What? They, I've got a missionary right now in Mozambique. They need a thousand Bibles. A thousand Bibles. Ten thousand dollars will get them a thousand Bibles. You know how wonderful it'd be if like ten people's like, I got it, I got it, got it, got it, got it. Thousand, 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 thousand. Done. Can you imagine not having a Bible in your language? And somebody in America's like, got you a Bible. Ten bucks, done, done, done. Having an abundance where you don't even feel it, why God is making all grace abound towards you so that you always have all sufficiency in all things and you are able to give unto every good work. And somebody says, well, once you give it all away, nope, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's this beautiful system of seeing God work. Watch what he says. He keeps going. He says he is scattered abroad. Now he's quoting Psalms 112, which is a great psalm. He is scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for your food. Do you see this? Seed for you to give. What is that? Breathing out. Bread for your food. What is that? Breathing in. Seed for the sower, giving unto others, bread for your food, my needs being met. Seed for the sower, I'm able to be good, I'm able to be generous, I'm able to be the possessor of nothing. Seed for the sower, but also bread for the eater, I and my family am taken care of. Why? I have a father who loves me. I'm in a blessing packed with him. He blesses me, I'm a blessing for him. He blesses me, I'm a blessing for him. He supplies seed for the sower and bread for your food will supply, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything. Why? For all liberality. You got a lot of breathing out to do. So you need a lot of oxygen to breathe in, which through us is producing thanksgiving unto God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints. But it is also overflowing through many thanksgiving unto God. Think about even that phrase thanksgiving. In prayer, when Paul is teaching on prayer, he said, let your, let your ask, let your petitions be made known unto God with thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? It is breathing out while asking to breathe in. It is saying, God, I, I know I'm asking you to do this next miracle, but right after like asking you, breathing in to breathe in this next miracle, let me give you some thanks and praise for the last miracle you did in my life. That even in our asking in prayer, it's not just petition, God move. It is thankfulness and thanksgiving, the breathing out of God's goodness in your life. But I want to invite you on this journey. I want you to see this journey. I want you to see what God has done for a church that's been on this journey. I want you to see like how God moves in our midst. We don't have to pass buckets. God makes his grace abound towards us. 
We're, we're, we're literally like, we showcase this in, in like multiple, we had three churches given to us. Every other campus, you were given to us. My son. Like all of these things happen in our life. We have breathed in, but we breathe out and we give to missionaries in Colombia and Venezuela and, and we help them go to, you know how much fun it is to do that? And do you know, like for that woman in that Delta lounge, there is nothing I could have done with that hundred bucks that would have given me more joy than being able to do that in her life in that moment. Because it truly is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I want you to come to this moment, like when you give and when you tithe and when you go on your generosity journey, wherever you're at with it, that you come to God, that you say, I know God, I don't have to be afraid to give. I'm not going to let covetous steal my gift. I've got a God who not only wants me to breathe out, I got a God with oxygen all around me that I can breathe in. Every time I give, I pull out this verse. It's written in my prayer journal as one of the main verses for this year you are making. All grace abound towards me. So that I always, at all times, have all sufficiency, able to require no aid or financial support of any kind, and then able to give unto every good work. I want to encourage you to open up your heart of compassion. But I sense for so many of you, like you're so good at breathing out. But do you know if all you did was breathe out and you never breathed in? That could be just as dangerous. Let God give you desire. Let Jesus be good to you. Jesus, I'll, I'll tell the story and I'll close. He, he walks in the book of Luke, he walks up to a fisherman who's been fishing all night and caught nothing. Now, when you're a business owner and you got bills and you brought in no income, it's a problem. And so you know what Jesus does? He asks him, can I use your business? Jesus asks Peter, can I use your business? Can I use your life? And Peter, in the midst of his frustration, says yes. And Jesus uses his life and business as a platform for his ministry. And he gets in the boat, Peter's boat, and he asks Peter, will you launch out a little bit? He's like, yeah. And he preaches this message, and get this in your heart, Peter makes a decision to let Jesus use his business and life as a platform for his ministry. And when Jesus is done ministering, what has Peter done? He has breathed out, yes, you can have the boat. Why? For free. I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to ask for rent. He could have. He could have said like, I fish all night. If you're going to use the boat, you're going to pay for it. That's just how it works. I'm a business owner. Kids got to eat. He could have done that, right? He could have said like for a fee. But he just makes a decision to breathe out, to partner with Jesus and says, yes, you can use my life as a platform. Yes, you can use my business as a platform for your ministry. But after this moment, Jesus is like, this is not how it works. You don't just breathe out, son. (laughs) I'm about to teach you something. You don't just breathe out with me. I'm the giver of oxygen. So I know you breathe out a little bit, but how about you get ready to breathe in? And he tells him, okay, now that you're done, he said, why don't you go out to the deep? Why don't you get along comfortable and go out to the deep and let your nets out for a catch? I want you to expect a miracle, Jesus is saying. And Peter's like, we have caught, fished all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we will obey you in this act. 
and they go out expecting a miracle, let down their nets. And you know what they found? They caught the whole lake. And the reason why is before this moment, they were fishing with their own effort only. But after this moment, they were fishing with his blessing on their lives. A blessing pack. You're not just going to breathe out and be a blessing to me. I'm going to be a blessing to you. And it was such a blessing to Peter. Like they have to drag the fish to it. And I love this story so much. They have to drag the, drag the fish over to the shore. And Peter falls down on his knees and he's like, you are amazing. Like he is so in awe of Jesus. He has just breathed in all of this fish. And it's amazing to him. He sees the goodness of God like he sees he has a father who loves him. He sees that he's got someone thinking about his bills and someone thinking about his business and someone thinking about his frustration and someone thinking about his pain. And in this moment of his life of seeing the goodness of God, he's surrendered more than ever. And this is what this journey is about. It's not just like a missionary or a church or something getting your money. It is like knowing when you breathe out, it opens up your lungs to breathe in again. And you're not just going to be good to God. You're going to pave the foundation for God to be good to you. And you know what he does after he gets all these fish? He leaves it. (laughs) And he follows Jesus all the more. He breathes out. He breathed out. He breathed in. He breathed out. He breathed in. He breathed out. He breathed in. And what he had in his life is what I want in yours and what I've honestly seen in mine. You know what it was? A God story. Like I can remember when we had nothing and now we had everything. I can remember when we had this and we gave Jesus, we used our, our, our checks and we used our church and we used our, our life as a platform for him. And out of that, he came in our life and did what only he could do. And you have these stories of Jesus's fame and stories of Jesus's miracles and stories of his greatness and his goodness. Because you learn that you can breathe in and you can enjoy the breath. And you can breathe out and enjoy giving oxygen for other people around you to breathe in. And then they breathe out and you breathe in the same oxygen that the person next to you. Think about it, how this works at all of our campuses, how that's working. We're receiving what was in the other. This is the kingdom. And that's why you never have to be afraid financially because you have a provider who when you breathe out, there's always the next breath to breathe in. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you at all of our campuses. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for each and every person here today and at all of our campuses. And Father, I just thank you that right now you're moving at our campuses and in our hearts and in our lives like never before. Father, give us grace and peace to run our race. Give us a hope and a future. And Father, we thank you for your power. Let us all choose to be generous. Let us all choose to be good. Let us all be tithers. Let us all be givers. Let us all come to this place where we're not afraid to breathe out 
But Father, I thank you that we're all children who learn how to breathe into and to see the goodness and the grace of a wonderful heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to turn the other campuses over to their pastors and worship teams. Uh, So thankful for you. We love you so much. Uh, Here at Lakeland, I know I've gone a little bit over. It's 11.06. Uh, So I I don't want to cause stress for our children's workers and parking teams and all those things. But I, I do want to give you a moment to surrender to Jesus. And so if you're here, let's just bow our heads. Every, every head bowed, every eyes closed. You know, I, I'm a big believer in tithing, giving God the first 10% of all of my income. I'm a believer in free will offerings where I give God everything and tell him it's all yours. Where do you want it to go? Who do you want it to go to? But more than, than anything that you could ever give Jesus... It's just you. And even you and your imperfections. And you and your sin and your shame. Jesus just wants to receive you. And if you'll let him breathe you in by surrender, I promise he will breathe you out into this world a new creation. You don't have to give him perfection. The prodigal found just giving him himself was enough. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, I want to rededicate my life today, I want to give Jesus my life today, or maybe even for the first time, make a decision for Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you do something? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else today, but if that's you, would you do something? No one's looking. This is between you and Jesus. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand all over this place? Hands being lifted up all over the room. I'll wait for you. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to make you do anything else uh, physically. Somebody says, does it matter if I raise my hand? Yes, it, it honestly does because it's an outward sign of the inward work of Jesus, I surrender. I surrender to you and your plan and your will for my life. Amazing. Hands all over the room. Now, everybody, everybody together, let's pray this prayer together. Uh, Whether you raised your hand or not, you can just repeat after me if you want to. Say this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. You so loved the world. You so loved me that you gave Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and for my shame. Father, I thank you that because of what Jesus did for me, I no longer have to live in my shame, in my sin, in my past. Sin will have no hold on my life. My past will have no hold on my life. Today, Your blood has washed me clean, and today your spirit has set me free. By the power of your spirit, 
I am free from my shame, free from my sin, and by Jesus, I will never be the same from this moment. This is the beginning of the best days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate.